gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice are the most powerful forces of good ever assembled. Dedicated to truth, justice, and peace for all mankind. You all look so beautiful, I gotta tell you, beautiful people. Okay, so Joe, we're here at Comic-Con celebrating heroes of all sorts. And as a co-creator of this series, what elements, if any at all, did you borrow from comic book genre um, and fold into the narrative of the underground stories you're telling? Uh, more than I am legally allowed to say. Uh, Isha and I are both, we like to say we're both 13-year-old boys at heart. We, uh, we, we come from genre, we like superheroes, we like horror. Um, in the case of season two, we're telling the story of our Justice League as our heroes kind of go from citizen to soldier, which is why we're bringing on Superman in Aisha High. Yeah. Um, in Akiva, you have won an Academy Award for uh, Writing a Beautiful Mind, which is amazing. You I love that movie. Transformers, Paranormal Activity, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Upcoming Dark Tower. Um, how did you get involved in Underground? Uh, I got involved because uh, Joe and Nisha uh, uh, expressed an incredible act of courage, which was uh, to try to put this story down. Nobody actually thought this was an object that the world would care about. Um, what they thought was uh, it was best relegated to history and a pretty forgotten that and uh, when they couldn't sell it they did that thing that writers hate to do they just wrote it <laughs> and uh, because of that uh, we're all here and I helped them you know get it skinny and sell it <laughs> I love it um, and Anthony I gotta give you first off huge props congratulations uh, on your recent Emmy win for the people <laughs> Y'all have to like run around my house some nights. It was, it was, it was intense. It was intense. <laughs> and uh, this year, I feel like we've had this incredible insurgence of, of this particular genre of slavery. We have Underground on TV. Uh, Roots was rebooted for TV. Free State of Jones in theaters. Birth of a Nation. Why do you think that there seems to be such an increased interest in retelling the story of slavery on TV and film? I think we're all looking for whatever healing mechanisms that we can create, cultivate. Um, we think of to help us advance forward and heal. Um, we are all looking for solutions. Um, I think definitely within this current political climate in this election, I, this show alone, I think, will help us find our worth, our strength, um, and we continue to find and want to put forth uh, the superheroes that are necessary that allow us to find the positive ways of uh, improvement. Okay. Well said. Yes. <laughs> um, I want to hear from some of the cast. Uh, Aldis, Alano, uh, Amira, you guys were really brilliant in season one, and you did a, just a, a great job, you know, with kind of playing these slaves in this very historic way, but also having that dramatic, that dramatic lens to the narrative. Um, what research have you guys done preparing for season two? I mean, season two, I think we live in it, brother. We, we just jump right on in. <laughs> I don't think we ever really stopped <laughs> from season one. But um, I know for me personally, you know, first season, definitely, you know, watched a lot of uh, 
documentaries, read a lot of narratives, things like that. But the second season around, I feel like I own Noah and I know him very well. So I'm just trying to explore his humanity and how he sees himself as a man personally. I just tie that to my own personal experience and, and you know how I evolved as a man. Okay. And I feel like for viewers, you guys probably agree, there were so many surprises in season one. So many deaths that we did not expect as a, as a cast. You guys can all jump in. What, were, what was the biggest surprise, number one biggest surprise, when you were turning that page in the script that you did not see coming? That we're still alive. <laughs> <laughs> we would all check in once in a while, like, um, did you read? Uh, are you at the end? <laughs> We need to have a goodbye party for you. Come <laughs> <laughs> to work the next day like, oh, poor baby. Uh, yeah, he's taking his last walk. <laughs> and uh, Jessica, um, I think for me watching you in this show, I had so many learning moments. I didn't really know the involvement of white abolitionists in, in the whole um, freedom for slaves. What was the biggest learning moment for you uh, diving into that character that you play? Oh, I mean, for me, all of it is a massive learning curve. Um, Australian, so <laughs> step removed. Um, but I mean, I mean, you get these scripts, and, and so much of what Joe and Misha write is taken directly from narratives, first-hand accounts. And so, just just following the scripts alone, I'm learning masses. Um, but it, it's it's exciting to know that you know there's there's all these different kinds of people involved. In, in making change and to be a part of, you know, to be a part of a wider community and a wider con and a connected world. I think that for me was the biggest sort of learning curve and, and, and uh, it's definitely something, a part of history that I knew very little about. You slept, you deliver, I love it, I love it. <laughs> You know, I think that right now there's uh, you know, so much happening right now in this country with regards to race, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. How important is this show right now with what's happening in our country? This show is everything um, right now. Um, it's very relevant, which is very scary. Um, that it's important, and I'm very excited to be a part of a show that we can say is uh, a legacy, if you will. Um, but it's also very sad that it's also very relevant. Uh, we need to inspire one, one another. We need to encourage one another. We need to love one another. And I think what's so brilliant is that Joe and Misha have added the abolitionists to the, to the conversation um, because it is going to be all of us. This is a unified front in order for us to uh, cure this disease that is going on in America. And uh, we need to know that because society right now that there are so many people who are saying we're you know pro-black that doesn't mean anti-white um and it's going to take the love and it's going to take the courage of one of, of all of us to reach across the aisle and have real conversations and you know i think there's a lot of miscommunication that's going on there's a lot of built-up frustration and anger and hate and it's on both sides and i think this show gets conversations going in a positive way it gets families united and it teaches people of color people from all backgrounds the human struggle uh, and it's this show for me is all about worth and we all deserve to be here we all deserve to have equal uh, say and 
this group of people here have shared their hearts and their souls every day to make sure that not only our ancestors are proud, but that our children in the future and those will know the legacy and DNA that we all come from.
And uh, along with having a conversation, we, we, you know, I'm in the midst of getting things done, but showing that people care is a big part of it. And we can see it point blank with Twitter. And it is, it is our history. I think that's what's exciting too. It's not like American. it's our story that we're offering you guys, which there's a beauty in that element too. But this is American history. Yeah. So when people are on there saying, oh my God, Harriet Tubman, and oh my God, you remind me of my mama. And oh my God, you know, I have my great grandma was a part of that. And Can I burn my face too? Okay, hold on. So speak to your point is also a, a, a history that we don't learn about enough in school. So I find myself learning about when I watch the show. Well, this is not taught in school. It's not taught well. I remember growing up in history saying, where the black folks at? <laughs> you know, but um, you know, we've been given this information in that, and I think that's what's so brilliant about the show is that we can actually give a platform for people to actually learn from. It's not just great entertainment, it's great education. I mean, we went to a school in Memphis where they actually integrated the show's story points into their curriculum. We were with these little, you know, we ran into two little children, nine and seven years old, these little sisters in D.C., where they were so geeked to see us because they watch the show and they learn and they love it. And a lot of people say, oh, is it, you know, is it too harsh for the kids? No, this is real history. It's never, the truth is never too harsh. It's about how you present it and then what you do with it afterwards. People sitting at home with their kids saying, yes, this really happened, but you know, this is what we're seeing so we can know how to change it and go from, 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 you know, uh, retardation in the terms of being set back in this literal sense, retardation to progression. How do we do this? And this is what I'm going to teach you and show you. But that's sometimes what parents are afraid of. They're afraid to actually show their kids and teach them. But we're, we're afforded that opportunity with the show, which is so, you know, thank you to these brave people in WGN America who actually allowed us that opportunity. Yeah. I have. the dubious distinction of being the oldest person on the panel. And when I was in school here in Brooklyn, um, it was two pages. Wow. It was two pages. By the time it got to Joe, it was a page or a box, right? The Underground Railroad didn't exist in the consciousness of American youth growing up. It was relegated, it was ghettoized, it was marginalized to an afterthought. Um, and all we knew was Harriet Tubman. Ironically, that was the only name we knew. Um, and over time, it seems to have gotten worse. At least uh, here in the 60s, um, there was something more dynamic, something more alive about the process of trying to understand who we were, black and white. And now, the world has changed. and information is being used in a different way. So when the people on this panel say the object of this show is to heal, don't believe that's a de facto assumption anymore. Because images and words are no longer just used to heal. We live in a world right now where they are being weaponized. Where every single picture, every single fact is being manipulated to divide us. It is the responsibility of entertainment of this sort to edify, educate, but also to build bridges, not to burn them down. And that's what this show tries to do. And the show tries to do it in a way that is conscious. It's a choice. It's no longer enough to sit back and tell stories. We have to be aware of what we want the outcome of our stories to be. 
because people are taking stories now and driving us apart. So to try to find truth in bringing us together is actually what this show is about. And it is uh, an honor to be with this group of people. Well, here we go. I got it from him. Mike, I got it from him. Reach a breed. Mike Jackson, I want to go to you now. Um, your company, Get, Get Lifted Productions, um, with John Legend, you, you guys had a busy year. Uh, you produced oh. Southside with you, which was amazing. I love that film. Uh, La La Land is coming out pretty soon, and I want to get to my way. And of course, Underground. Talk, talk about your decision process to bring this show to TV. First of all, I'll get lifted film co. Okay. Get lifted productions. I have to point that out because that's a common mistake. Lifted film co. It was an important show. I mean, Joe and Misha wrote an incredible ten scripts, and and, and we, we read them and we fell in love with the idea of what they were trying to do. We started looking at the world at large and what was going on specifically in our own country. We started looking at mass incarceration and the problems that are in the prison system brown and black folks, men and women being locked up. And we realized that what Joe and Misha tried to tell with Underground was similar to what was going on today. There was a direct line between the 1800s and the Bell himself and today. And uh, we felt that we wanted to help give that story a voice. It was just something that's important. We have this platform and uh, you have to take it seriously. It's a gift when you're able to tell stories and affect change. So for our company, we always want to try to shine a light on things that matter, things that can like I said, affect that change, and um, that's something we're never going to run from. We're always going to run to the problem. Well, thank you. Left the yes. Um, we have to hear from you, Aisha. Aisha, um, you know, folks are so excited for you to play uh, Harriet. Harriet Tubman. We're so excited. Oh, um, shit, bitch. You come. What was it like to get that call that you were going to get this larger than life role? We're so excited for you to be stepping into this role as Harriet Tubman. What was it like for you to get the call that you were going to be playing Harriet Tubman? Um, I wept. I did. Um, um, there was sort of little, I guess, uh, hints along the way that it was drawing closer and closer to me. But you know, this with this industry, anything can happen. Um, I was contracted to work on a show that could have, you know, gotten in the way of this opportunity. And, um, and I think it's one of those things where the spirit of Harriet Tubman was like, move, get out of <laughs> <laughs> And um, she just cleared the way. She cleared the way and, um, and her spirit met mine and, 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 you know, just called me to be a part of this production. And it's been um, an incredibly humbling and beautiful and scary experience um, the whole way. Okay, and I have to know, what was your audition process like? Like, how did you go in and read for Harry Tubman? Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you get the memo from Anthony Hemingway that says, you better come into this room and make me feel like I can hear you read the phone book. <laughs> And so, you know, I knew that um, there was a part of her that sort of had to capture the heart um, in, in, in addition to into, um, her power, um, in addition to um, what makes her an icon. Um, there's a humanity to her that, um, that needed to, I guess, 
reach out to his heart, grab it, and, and I think that's the thing that he wants and um, and I want, you know, for viewers to experience. You wanna, you know, you wanna sort of be able to feel tangibly the woman in that portrait that I think so many people idolize. And so, um, and so I just, I, I got out of my way and I surrendered my faculties <laughs> um, to her, um, you know, and I just said, you know, just, just use me, use me, use my arms, use my legs, use my voice, Harriet, and have your way. Well, I think everyone here is waiting. Bringing it back to you, uh, I think everyone here wants to know the same answer. What is in store for season two? Everything. Uh, you know what? It's we have all these brave people who are running from danger, and this season they're all running into danger. And I can sit here and talk about themes and everything, but we should probably just show you this cool trailer. Let's be very clear. That's footage from the first two out of ten episodes. Beyonce, Beyonce, freedom. Yes. Okay. Beyonce is in the show as well. No. <laughs> like Star Wars in the end. No. So you guys, you're in love right now. We're going to open up this portion of the panel to you. We want to hear from you. We're going to have you ask, uh, ask some questions. And uh, we have uh, some gifts back here. Uh, the best five questions are going to get uh, a lovely signed autograph press kit for season, um, from season one, press kit. So we want to get you guys up and ready to ask some uh, gripping, compelling, moving questions. You guys are gonna help me determine who are the best spots, okay? Oh, you guys, wow. Judges. Oh, wow. You guys are telling me who gets a pay. Hi, I'm Tamara from Upper West Side Manhattan, also Queens. And I hey. would say, I grew up watching WGN mostly for Night Court reruns. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's the end of Chicago Bulls basketball games because I didn't like the Knicks. So. transformation of WGN making these really brave, groundbreaking shows. Like, who approached who? Like, did WGN go to the production company, or did you say, we have this show, we want to make it, and we trust you to trust us? Uh, we went to WGN, um, and it is a really interesting time in television. This is not a shock to any, but... Um, TV and movies have inverted now. When I was a kid, uh, TV had to be for everyone, and movies were for the people who found them. Uh, now it's switched, so uh, movies have to be for everyone. It's called a four-quadrant movie. And TV can be for just the people who like it. Um, and so what's happened is, rather than there being three or four networks, uh, every platform wants to find an identity, and that identity is a show. And so if you think about AMC, before Walking Dead, 
it was reruns of old Warner Brothers movies. Uh, and now it is indelibly and uh, inexorably linked with Walking Dead. So this is, it's, it's the new golden age of television because everybody out there wants to have a thing that they can brand themselves with. And we and WGN had a wonderful meeting of uh, courage and convenience. Uh, they needed us, we needed them, um, and together uh, we help identify each other. Um, and that's kind of the kind of symbiosis that happen today in TV. Probably happen until all the broadband is taken up and there's no more. Room. Thank you so much. All this I'd love you in the too. <laughs> Alright, next question. Let's go next. Hi, my name is Nelson. I'm Detroit, Michigan, but I'm Hey, Dan. Can you speak up? Oh. <laughs> I was directing you. <laughs> louder. <laughs> you just talk a little louder. You're good. Use your yes, big voice. Just shout it. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah, I just want to thank you. It's one of my favorite shows on television. And, you know, I just. I just know with the marginalization of like public schools and textbooks and how media and television and movies are kind of becoming more and more important to not only from history but you know, specifically like African American history in this country. And I just know that you guys took this choice to make it a fictional uh, depiction of slavery, but you know, actual depictions of real people like Harriet Tubman. So I was just wondering, like, if, um, how much of responsibility and pressure you have to tell these accurate pictures of history, but at the same time make an entertaining show, because they did a show business and everything, and, and, uh, and, and that it's not so much, I mean, it's a responsibility, but it's also a privilege. I mean, we are working with the Underground Railroad, where by definition, we had to keep everything secret, so we weren't able to tell these amazing stories. We've got Chris Chop somewhere in the audience who plays the Williams. Yes. And, uh, what he did was he took these stories and he wrote them down, he hid them in a graveyard, and he put them away because he didn't want to tell these stories if it was going to get anyone in trouble. So Misha and I talk a lot that it's all our responsibility to take those stories back from the graveyard and tell the story of American heroes that have never been told. My question is, because you're telling such um, a story that hasn't really been considered in history before, and it's such a emotionally charged subject, some people may feel very sensitively about it, certain groups, what has the backlash been um, from different groups in the media, because you're telling such a strong story with such, uh, not negative connotations, but it tells you about a dark time in our history, and a time a lot of people don't like to think about, like you were saying. Uh, it's been marginalized in our history and learning about it in school. I never really learned much about it. So what has the backlash been because you guys have this privilege to tell this story? I don't think there's been much backlash. Uh, I mean, in what few ignorance that's out there, I think the success of it has overshadowed that. Um, and we've got nothing but a lot of support and praise for it. You know, the great thing that we have, which is the freedom that we have, which um, with how little known the story is and how little it is taught in school. Um, it's given us an opportunity to really breathe a lot of life into it, um, and, and 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 somewhat introduce it in a really 
fresh way, um, a way that gives and shows the real true strength, um, comes from a younger perspective, you know, so we get to actually see the doing of it. You know, these figures that we've heard about or um, we're told about, you know, we're actually seeing them in the action and the making of that superhero and who they are. If there has been any negativity, uh, the fans have covered it up. <laughs> fans shut them down. <laughs> that was a good question, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You get a bet. You get a bet. Yeah. Yeah. And I get emotional because it shows it shows the history of the United States that people neglect. Uh, I'm Latina, so I have I'm a woman. I'm Latina, and I'm an immigrant. I'm a first generation immigrant. So seeing your struggle um, brings the front to life. It's amazing, uh, and for people to see that. Um, <laughs> Already giving my one. She gave that tear, and that was it, the Denzel tear. That's all you need, folks. Bring your Denzel tears, and you'll get a bottle. Go ahead, sister. You know, people neglect to see that we all are black. Um, we are, mm. all are, we all suffered. You guys suffered in one way or another. Our ancestors are black. We're not just white, we're not just we, our foundation is black, that is our main color, that is who we are, and to have this show be brought to you, from you guys to us, is really amazing, and I mm -hmm. absolutely love it, and watching every episode is amazing, and to me, the very memory that still sticks is the very first part, where Noah, you can see the music, you can hear the music, and him running. <laughs> that was so emotional to see those first seconds of of knowing that he's embodying somebody that actually went through that. Um, and for you guys actors, and, and, you know, it must be amazing to dig deep into your roots and bring that up to light and show people your vulnerability. Um, so thank you. Um, it wasn't really a question, it was just a question. <laughs> My name is Siobhan, and I just wanted to say thank you very much for everything. The show is amazing. During the week, my family and I are usually busy, so we don't ever get to, you know, like, I guess, sit and eat dinner and whatnot. But the show, we always, you know, we always sat down and watched it. My mom was able to really, um, I think it was episode eight with Ernestine, um, Sam and Tom, when, you know, she had to cut the, um, the Achilles. Mm -hmm. And she was able to relate that to God, Adam, and his son Isaac. And I, it's, it's such a strong show, and I wanted to say thank you, especially, you know, for portraying Ernestine in such a strong way. She makes so many good things. And my question is, um, how are you able to channel, you know, such emotion, especially when it's such a roller coaster from, you know, relief to shock to going to a steely calm, you know, calculating how are you able to, um, you know, channel all of that? Um, I think it's, you know, uh, being available to truth, 
You know, I do a lot of research, but at the end of the day, it's you have to give yourself over to the moment. Mm -hmm. And I often find that sometimes in the moment, you know, my co-star will just look at me a certain way, and if I'm open to what's happening right in that moment, all that work is literally gonna really feed me. It's just to serve me in that moment. Um, and then, uh, you know, Ooh, it's, it's a great responsibility. You know, I think about season two. Season one, we got, it was so great to tweet and people, you know, I have young people who are just, look, who are looking up to Miss Ernestine, not me, Miss Ernestine. And, um, and then other people who are grown, who are just like, yo, you know, my kids, I'm not playing, you know. And so but I look at now, there's so many more. Joe and Misha have written such a great journey for Miss Ernestine season two, y'all. Like, you know, she's, everything that she's identified herself as a mother has now been taken away. So who is this woman? You know, when everything that you've known been taken, you have to see what is my new identity or what is my identity that's always been there that's been dormant, you know? And uh, so that's terribly exciting. And I'm not going to say that in the house. <laughs> yes, thank you so very much. Sir, so my question to you is, when you guys had to pitch the idea for this show, were there people who were trying to get you to stop it? Or not go too far in development of it? There were people who didn't get it. And that, that was part of the issue. That's what Misha and I sat down, like, we got to write it because they're not getting it. But as Akiva was saying earlier, when we found the folks at WGN, they were great partners because they were like more. We wanna, you know, go go further, go further. And we're like, Are you guys sure? And they were great. And they said, you know, tell you know, hit the bone, tell the truth. So yes, there were tens and dozens of people who just didn't want to tell the story, didn't want to invest, didn't want to take the chance, and WGN, you know, came to that. And uh, I have a small second question at the time with you guys. Uh, the smallest question I'm pretty sure a lot of people want to uh, know as well is, did Christopher Melanie cancel his visit over here as well? I didn't hear your question. Did Chris do what? Did Christopher Melanie cancel his uh, appearance as well? Because he was supposed to come in for this panel. Oh, we just we experienced know. Hurricane Matthew, so yeah. people had to go take care of their families. Family, yeah. We got, we got hit pretty hard, so. Yeah. All right, thank you. Mm -hmm. Next question. Uh, hi, my name is Nina. Uh, thank you guys so much for all the work that you've done. It's a really powerful, strong story, and honestly, like it deserves to be told in this moment. Uh, my question is, was it difficult to portray right and tell the deep trauma that was inspired by the material of the show? And um, how do you guys practice self-care, given both the intense material of the story and um, also the reason for is it or the reason behind the Black Lives Matter movement? We we going to break that one down. Yeah, that's it. What's the first part? Her <laughs> so, self care. I'm invested, but putting a Facebook post or putting something on Twitter is that enough? Should we be marching? Should we be speaking out? Should we be putting ourselves out there? Um, you know, I I think John Legend actually does a great job of putting himself out there, saying what he believes, challenging people who aren't telling the truth. I think we all need to step out of our comfort zones fight for justice a little harder than we think we should. Amen. I had a crush on you, so... Say <laughs> <laughs> what? I think she says her mom has a crush on you. Go ahead, Alice, take off your shirt. <laughs> What's up, 
So we're here with, at NYCC with Alano Miller, who plays Kato on the show. What is your approach to playing Kato? I know it's a very layered character. Yeah. He gets it from both sides, so how do you approach it? Uh, humanity, I think. That's been my biggest thing. That's been my biggest goal with this character. Um, so I just approach it from the honesty of saying uh, we're all complex human beings. I think that's a given. Um, but, you know, he is, an, he is a man who has lost a lot and is looking for his opportunity to be on top. And uh, there's a lot of pain and a lot of uh, frustration and fear and uh, anger built in all of that. So, but in all of that, there is some redeemable qualities in him. So I'm trying to fight for his humanity. It's easy to make someone just a villain. Um, but it's, it's harder to make someone to the, a villain who is grappling with his true identity, which is that he is a hero and that he has some good in him. And so that's how basically what I do. One of the things I do like about Kato is that he challenges the whole concept of the, the lighter-skinned black yeah. person, closer to the house, Absolutely. had it easy, and so on and so forth. And then we get a lot of his backstory, we understand the scars. Yeah. Any personal experiences of your own that you use to channel that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I you know, being a fair-skinned man in, in America is, you know, we, we talk about colorism all the time. And, and that is still real and it's still now going on and uh, you know growing up in high school because of my articulation or whatever else they would say oh you, you, you're white or you're trying to be white or you're doing whatever or you get it easier because you're safe and you hear all these things and so it's it's that type of uh, attack I think that I've dealt with in my life that has allowed me to get into some darker areas of how I fought to say I'm I am black and that I love Love my, you know, love my heritage and I love who I am, and um, and I just want to be accepted, just like he wants to be accepted. Biggest surprise for me. We already knew your character was tough, but he survived at the end. Yeah, he did. In a situation where, I mean, I thought he was dead. Yeah. But he survived at the end, so we know that he's really tough. Are we going to get an explanation as to how he survives? Are we going to continue to see that toughness, or are they going to oh, yeah. soften him up? Ah, you know, I think I don't think you're ready for season two. Um, he goes to a really interesting place this year. He's got a lot of money uh, which will be left in for episode 10 and that's very, very exciting. So now you get to see how this ego <laughs> explodes. Uh, so this is definitely going to be an extreme version and I'm very, very excited for people to see where this character goes. Yeah. Alano Miller, NYCC, thank you very much thank for your you time. Sir. I appreciate it. Yeah. So we're here at NYCC with the mirror van, Ernestine from Underground. Yes, <laughs> I really enjoyed the surprise with the character that we would think that the master is running the house, but it's really his mistress who's actually running the house. How do you approach that? How do you go into that and be docile at one point, but then this dominating, I don't want to say dominatrix, but definitely controlling person over here? You know, I think, you know, it's everything's about motivation, what motivates you. And, you know, for Miss Ernestine, it's always been her children. So, you know, when you, and the stakes are so high, we're talking about 19th century, antebellum South, you know, it's all about, you know, if I don't protect my children, some, they could die. You know, so when the stakes are that high, she really kind of taps into all those parts of her. And Miss Ernestine is such a brilliantly written character, exciting, thrilling. She has so many sides to her. Um, and I'm excited for season two because we find out more about who this woman is. And uh, she's pretty extraordinary. Yeah, I believe it was episode five. I didn't realize that Ernestine was so sexy. Oh, thanks. I was totally floored by those scenes. I didn't think that it would go 
that risque. Yeah. Uh, how did you How did you uh, guys go with those particular scenes, and were you comfortable with those scenes? Well, you know, those are you know, Misha Green and Joe Pekaski are are creators and writers, and they're extraordinary, and I trust them. You know, the page is it's always about furthering the plot and about really just being really exciting, and and you know, a whole individual. You know, to play a female character, I think it's really you don't just see that side of her. You know, you see her powerful. You see her as a mother. You see her funny. You see her when she's chasing her kids around, and you see her sexy, and you see her as a as a person of faith trying to explore that. So I think it's you know she, they don't shy away from any part of the human experience. At the end, we see that she's had a big turnover. Yeah. Uh, she's about to be put on the block. Uh, so it, can we get just a, maybe a little bit of a spoiler? What we can expect to see in season two from her? Well, I know you know the fans yell at me they don't want spoilers, but I will say that we find out more about her, which I think is really exciting. Season one was all about the kids, and now she doesn't have them, and so we go deeper into who she is and the you know the fears, the doubts, the strength, the power, and uh, and they're going to be lots of shocks and lots of some new faces. So it's great.